Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 511th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You can get your daily reading from me. Once again, it's not just a podcast anymore. It's also a blog. Go to DanielFoyerstein.com and head over to the Feuerstein's Fire blog as I discuss about American soccer and the New York Red Bulls. Um, some interesting news that came through the wire today, obviously. It's been rumored around. Obviously, Jeff Reuter from The uh, Athletic has uh, discussed this, of course, what they would like to do. And now it's official that Major League Soccer is going to create the MLS Next League, or at least a Division Three League. And what they're going to do is pull in their clubs from once these USL Championship and League One seasons are over – they are going to pull in all these two teams from Major League Soccer or whoever's uh, around. And this is, of course, Red Bulls 2, Galaxy 2, Revolution 2, CF Flor- Fort Lauderdale, um, Sporting Kansas City 2, Timbers 2, Tacoma, Real Monarchs, Revolution 2, Philadelphia Union 2. Put them into this brand new league, which they are looking for Division Three sanctioning, put them in a position to compete. Now, obviously, these teams will not be allowed to compete in the U.S. Open Cup, but it's not just these teams that are going to go in. They are also inviting teams that want to be a part of this league that are not MLS 2 teams. Now, from my vantage point, let me just say this. There's good and there's bad. Personally, in my opinion, with MLS, I believe that with MLS or soccer in general, I believe that it is not a bad idea to have another league performing in America that is developing or giving players more areas to perform and to develop and to have more competition within our ranks when it comes to American soccer. I truly believe we need more leagues, more clubs. Now, I'm not saying we have to be like England, nine different professional leagues. But I think what we, what we need to truly do is to have these leagues help the American player become bigger and better. Because that is the only way, the only way we can get better competition going Better better players becoming bigger, huger. And bigger profile. This is what I feel. This is how I feel. All we need to do is to make sure that our players... Do not get hurt. Do not lose any form of eligibility. Move forward. And become those players that you never know can be recognized from other clubs either in Europe or South America or within this hemisphere, of course, like in Mexico. Anywhere, everywhere, it's not a bad idea to have another league coming up and providing minutes for those players 
that are not able to get into MLS, USL Championship, League One, MPSL, NISA, UPSL, or any league below the professional levels. But, but, there are a ne- there is a negative right now that I think no one is talking about, and I will elaborate that in just a moment. So, here is where I believe we're having a problem right now. And I really believe that we have to look at this problem very, very closely. This problem that we are seeing at the moment when it comes to this situation. One second. problem right now, in my humble opinion, and I'm not trying to pick favorites here. I'm not trying to claim that I know more than anyone else. I'm only observing this from the outside, but it has to be said. Right now, we are seeing in third division, USL League One, National Independent Soccer Association, MLS Next. We have too many third, oh, excuse me, sorry about that. Um, We have too many third division leagues. Because everywhere around the world, we are having one league per division. We all know what the first division is. We all know what the second division is. The third, and if you are from England, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth. And they are considered professional leagues. But only the top four in England get the press or whatever you watch in Sky Sports. Now, obviously, that is the Premier League, the Championship, Football Leagues 1 and 2. And this is where, right now, we're seeing a problem, or at least I see a problem, with the third division. You know, I understand U.S. soccer believes that whatever is good for the sport in this country is good for them, and that's fine. That is fine. It is okay. Whatever they think they believe in, whatever they want to believe in, they are the ones that are govern. They are the governing body of the sport. Many of you are believing that this is going to challenge USL's authority running the lower levels and the professional level of second and third division soccer, football, however you want to call it. While reading the article and Vice Commissioner Mark Abbott says we are not challenging USL for what they're trying to do, the truth is, is this. I don't care if MLS is trying to help out the clubs and their academy players. If you want to do that, that's fine. I don't care because the truth is the academy players are the ones that need the minutes and they need the time on the pitch to improve their technical abilities and their overall wellness of being a professional player so they can move forward and play on the top on the top club, the senior side. I understand they feel they have to do this, but at the same time, if they're inviting clubs to become a part of this third division league, that's where I think that U.S. soccer – And once again, this is U.S. soccer's call. I know Major League Soccer wants to do something good, and they have. But once again, where is the blame and where should it lie on? MLS is doing what MLS wants. I think it's wrong, but they are doing what they want to do. U.S. soccer will give them the backing no matter what. Regardless of the whole sub situation that is now separate, regardless 
of that mechanism now gone from U.S. soccer as they're going to do everything in-house in that level? The truth is, is that MLS, as of right now, some of you are thinking, are trying to corner the market to control the minutes on the pitch, player personnel, and everything their clubs do, and any club that wants to join, this is what they're trying to do. All I'm saying is USL, they were okay at first bringing in MLS teams to be a part of their leagues, but at the end of the day, the truth is USL only wants to take care of the clubs that are performing in their league. They want to help their clubs. And I understand where everyone's coming from. Well, this is why we keep promoting delegation and all that stuff. And I understand. I understand completely. But once again, promotion relegation is not what MLS has to worry about. This is what U.S. soccer has to do. U.S. soccer has to come in and do this themselves. I know that many people are angry, many people are upset, but once again, it is not just the owners of these professional clubs that have to worry about it, but it's the governing body that runs our sport that has to come out and say, we're going to have to make a change. It is all on them. All MLS is doing is following the rules. I'm not saying it's right. I am not in their corner on this. But if they are going to do a reserve league for these players and take on these clubs within MLS or without MLS, it has to be a separate, a separate entity. It cannot be a Division Three league. Too many Division Three leagues in this country. I understand U.S. soccer does not want to make this like the English FA to have many, many tiers of professional soccer happening. But the truth is, sooner rather than later, You're just going to have to make a real fourth and fifth professional league division. And you're just going to have to do this for this MLS next. If not, then call it what it should be, a reserve league. Do not allow clubs that want to be considered professionals to join this league. We cannot have this. We all know about the purity of the game. This is not about being sanctimonious. It's not about being, you know, high up there. This is about trying to make a resolution or answer a problem that needs to be fixed. And the truth is, right now, If U.S. soccer says to MLS, we grant you to be a third division league, that's three leagues that are considered third division. And those three leagues are going to be jamming up the system. The amateur leagues right now, like USL League 2, if you want to say UPSL, the short season leagues, this need to be fourth division. That's what has to happen. We need a fifth division. We need a sixth division right now. And I'm saying this because many, many people, whether you like it or not, they're upset. The profession, this, this, the uh, the soccer supporters who 
want to be just like what they do in Europe, they're upset. They're angry. And all I'm saying is, is that for all these things to come together, for all these things to be on the same page, the same page, U.S. soccer has to do a better job of coming together and coming out and say, we are going to create a fifth division for this situation. We are going to push back these leagues from fourth to fifth and some of these other third division leagues into fourth or fifth or sixth divisions and broaden our soccer federation. Whether or not we get promotion or relegation, that's a different story for a different time. But we cannot jam up leagues anymore and say, you're the third division, three, six, nine leagues, you're all third division. We cannot have this. The pyramid had suffered too much. The pyramid has been chipping away and chipping away and chipping away when it comes to a traditional pyramid and or professional leagues in our country, in our nation. It's time to go out and say this. It's time to make a change. It's time to switch. It's time to say, that's it. We've had enough. We have to keep it in a traditional and professional manner. Because I'm telling you right now, telling you right now, what we are seeing here is, uh, I'm not going to say it's a farce. Uh, What I'm going to say is, is that it's mismanagement right now. Now, hopefully we'll get more information about this next week. But as of right now, I believe U.S. soccer needs to really clamp down on this, and they must. I stress this. They must find a way to make this situation a little bit more legitimate, even though they say they are. But in in the eyes of many, they are saying it's not. And all I can say is, folks, is that while I applaud MLS for creating another league, creating, um, you know, a league to help out with players getting more minutes, players that are not able to get first-team minutes on their clubs, either at MLS or anywhere else, I applaud them for trying to improve the game. I do. But this should not be considered a third division league. This should not be considered a third division league. This should be concerned uh this should be called a reserve league. And if any other club wants to be a professional league, they must join USL Championship and or USL League 1 start from their own peruvial bottom, and then work their way up. Until then, until then, we can definitely say that this is a great thing that happened, and this is a wonderful thing that happened, and all we can do is just flat out say U.S. soccer is doing the right thing. This is just my opinion. I really wish... They'll come up and do the right thing, but I believe that what they're going to do, and my gut says this to me all the time, I believe U.S. Soccer will grant MLS next the third division status that they are begging for, and they're going to get it. 
Like I said, I am not trying to be in anyone's corner here. I'm giving you my opinion about this situation, and I truly believe that no matter what I say, no matter what I say, I truly believe that MLS will be granted their third division status for this MLS next uh, league. And the continuation of complaints and social media outrage will be continuing as well. And there's nothing more I or you can say about it. That's how I feel. This is the situation we're in. And we're just going to have to grin and bear it. No one wants to hear it, and I understand. But there's nothing more or less we can do. So many people want to complain and everything, and I understand. I'm not complaining uh, against you. But this is the situation we are at, and this is why um, this whole thing just doesn't sit well with those of you that don't want it. And I believe it's starting to get very ridiculous to see another third division league coming in on the professional side where, in my opinion, this should be a reserve league, period. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, time to move on on the show here, and it's time to move into the situation. CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, the second round ended last Tuesday, of course, uh, St. Kitts and Nevis against El Salvador, Haiti versus Canada, uh, Panama versus Curaçao, as we get ready for September, the final round of World Cup qualifying, the final round, the octagon, eight sides, 14 matches home and away for each side. The points do matter. Three go to Qatar. The fourth place team will be in the international playoff. September, October, November, and then next year, January, one game in February, and then March. The marathon is suspended. The sprint is on. This is where you are going to see what the U.S. men's national team will be made out of and how Greg Berhalter is going to now juggle his lineups. Next month, the CONCACAF Gold Cup in July. September. All bets are off. So we go to the second round first. So in two legs, we'll go to the three uh, matchups, of course. St. Kitts and Nevis against El Salvador. The first leg was in uh, St. Kitts, 4-0 El Salvador. The second leg, 2-0 El Salvador. The truth is, this one was already done and dusted. <coughs> Excuse me. This one was already done and dusted in St. Kitts National Team Stadium. El Salvador could do whatever they wanted to in this matchup. El Salvador showing why they believe that they have improved. They believe that they're coming back. They believe that they're going to find a way to either grab a third spot out of USA-Mexico or they're going to try and knock off one of those two. Because what we saw from El Salvador was a clinic in the first leg. Down in St. Kitts. And they found a way to just bulldoze St. Kitts and Nevis. Now, 4-0. That's a scoreline of basically, yeah, we're here to let you know that you're not going to mess with us. 
And unfortunately, I thought St. Kitts did not do the job they were supposed to do at home. You're supposed to make your opponents fear you of some sort. They're supposed to have them say to themselves, it's not that easy to beat, El- uh, to beat St. Kitts and Neves in their home stadium, on their home ground. And what did El Salvador do? They took care of business where they had a foot and a half going to the final round. But they had to cement it back home, which is what they did. They put on a defensive clinic. They scored their fifth goal in aggregate when they had to to make it 5-0. They scored a late one to make it 6-0 on aggregate. And they did so. There's nothing much you can say about this one. All El Salvador did was handle their business and not allow St. Kitts and Neves to convert a chance. Because if you let them convert a chance early, that's when you allow the door to be opened and you have just enough of an open door that they're going to slip their fingers through the crack, grab the door, and just bust it wide open. Because what El Salvador did in the first leg, they kicked that door down, they slammed it, they took the heavy boxes and barricaded themselves in the room, And then they picked up the phone and told the owner, this is our room. We're not coming out because we're making ourselves home in yours. And that's what they did. And then when the second leg came, they invited St. Kitts and Nevis to their house. And then they slammed the door in their faces, barricaded the door. They added a goal or two just to let them know you've been beaten and we've beat you badly and we don't care how much you're crying. That's what El Salvador did against St. Kitts and Neves. 4-0 in the first leg down in St. Kitts. 2-0 in the return leg at El Salvador. They didn't really need much. One was probably enough, but they had two for good measure. And congratulations, El Salvador. You are officially into the octagon. With Mexico, the United States, with Honduras, Costa Rica, and Jamaica. Let us go down to Panama and Curaçao. Panama could not play in their national stadium because of construction issues refurbishment issues. So they had to go the NYCFC route as they rented out Rod Carew Stadium, a baseball stadium. And it looked nice. It looked nice for a ballpark. And what did they do? First half, nil-nil. Second half, Panama scoring two goals. Leading on aggregate 2-0 until Curacao pulled one back. And even though Panama found a way to defeat Curacao, the big question was going to be, can they knock them off in Curacao's island? I will say that in the first half, it was a little bit uh, dull and boring. I, I really thought that Curacao um, did not look good on the day, or on that night, I should say, in the second leg. I really thought, and I said to myself, they're not going to get out of this. They're going to get eliminated. I really, really thought Curacao 
was going to be a bit disappointing. But in the second leg, in the second leg, and in the second half, who steps up for Curacao? Who steps up and shows the world and this region? An up-and-coming side since the last Gold Cup tournament back in 2019 that is coming and coming hard and wants to show that they are an up-and-coming power in this confederation and in their Caribbean zone. Curaçao does. Penalty awarded in the second half to Panama. You believe it's over and done with. They're going to convert their spot kick. It's going to be 3-1 Panama. Level on away goals. Curaçao needs two to force at least some form of extra time, which wasn't going to happen because... Well, no, it would happen because it's 1-1 on, on uh, away goals. But they needed two to at least force extra time and or penalties. But who comes up big? Not just for his club team in Columbus, but for his national team. Who else but Eloy Room? Eloy Room, diving to his left, keeping his legs together, and the penalty attempt was thwarted by Eloy Room as the ball shot Room's left. His feet were in the air together, kicked off his feet, and out. That was the moment where you can say, here comes Curaçao. Here they come. Here comes Curaçao. Now they're going to score a goal. And when they score this goal, they are in the driver's seat because the away goal they scored in Panama was going to be enough to go out and do the damage. But it wasn't. Because the keeper for Panama was unbelievable. Probably made about probably four to five true saves against Corazal. The three in a row, they made those saves. And I really thought Corazal was going to do the damage, get in there, and find a way to really put Panama in a bind. I really thought they were going to do that. I really did. But that didn't happen. And all you can say is, is that Panama did a job they had to do. And how strange it was because for Curacao to advance from the first round into the second round, all they needed was a draw, and they got their draw to advance to the second round. Scoreless draw, but nonetheless, it was a point that they wanted and they got. But then here is the second leg in the goal aggregate second round. And Curaçao could not get that's that goal to at least say, we are going to win this by the away goal we scored down at your famed baseball stadium named after Rod Carew. And it was amazing to watch. They won by a nil-nil draw to go to the second round. Sadly, Curacao lost nil-nil and could not get to the final round. Panama deserved to go into the final round. They did a job. They, they had a job to do. They did it. They looked great. And all you can say is, is that the better scheme or the better game plan won. 
Congratulations, Panama, going into the final round for Curaçao. Right now, you got to wait for the Gold Cup. And at least you are starting in the group stage in Group A. They'll be taking on Mexico and El Salvador and awaiting a, a winner in the fourth position between either Trinidad and Tobago, Montserrat, Cuba, or French Guyana. This should be exciting, and we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen uh, when those matches do get played. Canada and Haiti. First things first. Canada, tough road match in the first leg down in Haiti. Kyle Lauren opened the scoring in the first leg, 1-0. And then it was basically Haiti playing some solid defense. So was Canada. But Haiti doing their best to limit the damage against them by Canada. And they did so. Now, obviously, Canada cannot play their home games yet back in their nation due to the coronavirus situation, the pandemic. The uh, borders, I believe, are still closed right now in Canada. They've closed the border. So everything for them right now is not good, which meant... In Bridgeview, Illinois, SeatGeek Stadium would be their home away from home. Nil-nil in the opening half in the second leg. And then the unthinkable happened for Haiti. Now, when you're watching the match on the Paramount Plus app here in the States... And you watch Canada versus Haiti. You say to yourself, here's an opportunity for Canada to really push their, to push themselves into a big situation. This is where you think they got to go out and just destroy Haiti. But unfortunately for Haiti, they didn't get destroyed. No, they got sucker punched by their own goalkeeper. Dujave from Montreal, Quebec in Canada. A French-Canadian goalkeeper. Parents must be of Haitian descent that live in Canada. So, which means he was eligible to play for Haiti, did so, had a great first half until he put the ball into his own net. The own goal heard around the world, which would normally be something that many Canadians would say, including my friend Dwayne Rollins. Yeah, we've never had this much success in our lives. If I had Dwayne on right now, he would tell you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, we haven't, yeah, we, it's been like this for us. So I know where the kid, why this kid, it happened to him. For them to get that gift, watching this on Paramount Plus, and then re-watching the highlights on YouTube uh, from One Soccer, their brand new soccer channel. My goodness, you just have to say, that this is, I think, the first time I've seen Canada have a positive result. Canada actually doing a job. And then Kyle Lauren does it again. Scores the second goal, the third on aggregate to make it 2-0 in the match, 3-0 on aggregate, and then Junior Hoylet getting his goal and it was just marvelous to watch Canada, that victory in the second leg. You feel bad for Dujave? Uh, you feel bad for that kid? But you know what? If you're a Canadian, 
You don't feel bad at all. You don't care. You don't care because it's happened to you. And for once, something good happens to Canada. And now they're moving on to the final round for the first time since 1998. Good for them. So all, all I can say is, is that we have a final, the final eight of CONCACAF facing against each other. We have the final eight that will begin the final round of World Cup qualifying. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's no longer the hex. It is now the octagon. It's time to get Bruce Buffer out there, whether it be at ESPN or on Fox Sports, depending on where these matches are going to get broadcasted on. And it's time to go out and just say, this is going to be the big battle we've been waiting for. This is going to be the big fight we are all wanting. The final eight, once again, we are going to have the United States, Mexico, Honduras, Costa Rica, Jamaica, Canada, Panama, and El Salvador. They are moving on to fight each other in the final round of World Cup qualifying. And we will see who will be going to Qatar first, automatically. And, of course, the fourth place team, who is going to the international break. Excuse me, the international playoff. This is where now the excitement comes in. This is now where it's time to show the world who you are, what you're made of, and what you are going to do to get to the final round. And now, what you're going to do to get to the World Cup itself. I don't know how many stadiums are right now in Qatar. Obviously, there are two that are now finally built. I don't know if there will be three. Even though I still believe Qatar does not deserve to have the World Cup on their shores. But once again, I am not the president of FIFA. Johnny Infantino has said they will still host it. This will be the most controversial awarding of a World Cup we've ever seen. And like I said, I am not against an Arab nation hosting a World Cup. I just believe that if they had a better idea to build stadiums for this World Cup that were, A, that are able to open and close, B, a better air conditioning system, C, ask for assistance to build these stadiums, I wouldn't be this upset. Migrant workers that they hold hostage to build these stadiums. They won't speak it. They won't talk about it. They don't care. They don't care. Of course they're going to hide all these things. But now, it's all about making it to the World Cup. And so far, outside of Qatar... We don't have a nation that is the first to qualify for Qatar. Right now, we have to have a third round in Asia. South America has to continue. Europe has to continue their qualification cycle. Africa is going to get started in September as well. Oceania has not even had a draw yet. But we'll have to wait and see what that does. But until then, qualification will be continuing 
this upcoming September. It should be fun. It should be exciting. Personally, cannot wait. It's going to be fantastic. And our players perform in the nation. Let's see what they can do when September rolls on. But first, the CONCACAF Gold Cup is the next bit that we have to pay attention to. And that's going to be within a couple of weeks. And we're waiting to see who the U.S. will face in their first stage match on Sunday, July the 11th, all on Fox Sports. And then we get ready for the Octagon. going to be a huge, huge match. That opening match is going to be big for the U.S. So I personally cannot wait for that to happen. Fox Sports, ESPN. Some of these road matches, expect something good to happen on CBS through Paramount+. Plus. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. All right, folks, if you are New York Red Bull supporters, it's time to talk about Friday night's victory at Red Bull Arena, a two-match winning streak right now for the New York Red Bulls as they take out Nashville SC, playing them for the very first time this year. They didn't do it last year due to the pandemic that got schedule thrashed. You know, I thought that was their best performance a complete performance in 2-0 victory, a clean sheet. And all you had to do was put pressure on Nashville, and they did a job. Did a job. The New York Red Bulls got a great goal from Fabio, finally scoring his first goal in MLS. And then, of course, Kyle Duncan doing it again coming up the near side in the fullback position, cutting inside the middle of the park, and then blasting one past Joe Willis to make it 2-0 in the second half. And that's all she wrote. Carlos Coronel made a big save, got help from the crossbar, but outside of those two moments, didn't really do much. His Defense were big, very, very big. Being a team that's gelling very well. They're gelling very, very well. They're doing a job. Gerhard Struber is doing a very good job of getting this team together and playing well together. And everyone is showing that with all these young players, they are doing a job. Every one of them playing like they are a five- to ten-year veteran. And it's been unbelievable to see all the hard work paying off for these players. These players are doing a job, folks. They are doing a wonderful job of performing and doing the, the things they need to do through Gerhard Struber's game plan. And all you can really say is that Gerhard Struber, <laughs> who's a happy man right now because Austria won their final group stage match in Euro 2020, and they are going to the quarterfinals. He was uh, <laughs> previewing with the uh, media. He had one eye on the match monitor for Euro 2020, and he had the other eye on the media monitor talking to us, the reporters. All I can say is is that I love what I'm seeing. 
I want to get to that opening goal, though, by Fabio. You know, great ball from Sean Nealis to restart the play from the free kick all the way on the defensive end. Let's the ball bounce. Uh, Patrick Kamala, I should say, lets the ball bounce. And then he pops it up into the direction of Fabio. And all Fabio did was destroy that shot on the volley, nailing the inside of the far post and then into the back of the net. That made it 1-0. Fabio, after converting four assists in the first five to six games, Fabio finally earned his first MLS goal, his first goal at the Red Bulls. It must have been a very, very exciting moment for him. You can see the facial expression on his face. It was well done. It was excellent. Caden Clark, who uh, now uh, his home scoring streak has snapped, did get an assist, actually, on the uh, Kyle Duncan goal to make it 2-0, but his goal scoring uh, streak is over. You know, Caden Clark is becoming uh, an all-around top-notch attacking midfielder. Not only is he doing well scoring goals, setting up plays, he's also being a bit more defensive as well or finding ways to get the ball back. It has to be said, Caden Clark is that player that is destined for greatness. It's a shame we're only going to get a season and a little here and there from last year. And what he is doing is national team material. Now, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to force it down his throat. But right now, Caden Clark is doing a job, and I am happy for him because this, this is the talent you want to see on the national team. Now that the provisional rosters are out for this Gold Cup, three players from the Red Bulls are on it. Frankie Amaya, Kyle Duncan, and Caden Clark. Now, in my opinion, Caden Clark should have been on the Olympic roster. He was not. Which is a shame. Caden Clark, in my mind, proved to many people, proved to many people, he deserved to be on that Olympic qualifying roster. And unfortunately, they wouldn't let him do it. Outside of that, what are you going to do? Nothing much you can do. Just complain and grumble and basically uh, speak in a lower voice. Outside of that, nothing more you can say or do. Big mistake in my opinion. But that's just my opinion, of course. But once again... The Gold Cup preliminary rosters are out. And those are the three Red Bulls players that are being considered for the Gold Cup tournament this coming July 10th. And the U.S. will play their Group B opener on the 11th Sunday, Fox Sports. Let's see what happens. But you can definitely say a player like Caden Clark is pushing the couch, banging on the door, going out, finding ways to say, hey, listen, I know you don't think I'm old enough, but watch how good I am for you guys and watch what I'm going to do and help you uh, for. Caden Clark is doing right now. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what's going to happen. The New York Red Bulls, this coming Wednesday night, are going to take on the New England Revolution. And then the following Sunday, they'll be on the road 
at Atlanta United. So this Wednesday at New England, 7 o'clock on MSG. And then this coming Sunday, the New York Red Bulls will be at Atlanta United at 3.30 in the afternoon. It may be a televised game nationally, maybe not. Let me just quickly double-check just to make sure, because you never know. And this will be a good test for the Red Bulls, actually, if you think about it. They haven't, they haven't lost at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the regular season. The only loss they ever earned was in the playoffs in the first leg back in 2018. Personally, I would have said a draw because the truth is I felt that VAR took away a good goal from Bradley Wright Phillips. I don't believe there was any um, obstruction against, uh, against Brad Guzan. But that's just my opinion, of course. We'll have to wait and see. But here it is right now. Wednesday, June 23rd on MLS Live through ESPN+. Plus. It'll be in New England, both on my RITV uh, and TV38 and on MSG Networks. And then their next match will be on Sunday, the 27th. And that will be at 3.30 in the afternoon. And it will be on local broadcasts from Atlanta. It will be on uh, Bally Sports South locally here in New York. It will be on MSG Network. And then uh, nationally, go to your app for ESPN+. So there you have it. Carlos Cornell didn't have to do much, just one save, and he got a little help from the crossbar. Outside of that, New York Red Bulls did what they had to do. Oh, yes, Caden Clark. I wanted to talk about that defensive play that he did. You know, you know, that was amazing. You know, going against a veteran like Dax McCarty, who's been in this league for a very, very long time. Dax McCarty with the ball going to the end line, trying to make something work. And this is in the second half, by the way. And then here comes Caden Clark, and he steals the ball off his foot. Clark plays with the ball, dribbling it up away from the area. And he was cornered by a defender and Dax McCarty along the near side. And what does he do? He kicks the ball off of McCarty and over the end line, excuse me, over the near side touch line for a goal kick. Excuse me, for, for a free kick. Uh, for, I'm, I'm saying for a free kick. I'm sorry, no, for a throw-in. Caden Clark hitting the ball off of a Nashville SC defender over the, the nearside touchline, and he gets a throw-in for RBNY. Caden Clark using his smarts to really do a job and doing it very well. Good for him. Very, very good for him. What does that mean? It means that this kid is doing things that we never expect him to do. Just have a solid match and be strong. Other than that, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And I really think he's going to make this national team somewhere down the road. We'll have to wait and see. But outside of that... There's nothing much more you can say. But let me just, before I finish tonight's show, I just want to go out and say thank you to CBS Sports. Thank you, CBS Sports, for putting soccer on your app, Paramount Plus, and at the same time, thank you for showing the respect that CONCACAF has been looking for. It's not just the CONCACAF Nations League. The World Cup qualifiers going on their app as well are putting as much as possible. To see this happen, where you can finally see early round matches of World Cup qualifying happening, it was sensational to see. It was wonderful to see. And I believe now we are on the big time. 
Would love to see it on either on CBS National or a CBS Sports Network. But until then, if you want to watch opening and middle rounds of qualifying for the World Cup in CONCACAF, go to Paramount+. Plus. I thought they've done a fantastic job. And when these deals with Fox Sports are over with, I can see CBS actually doing Gold Cup tournaments on their nationally televised networks. And on the app as well. This is exciting. This is fantastic. And all I hope for is continued success. Continued success. It's just unbelievable to see what we are seeing, and it's just fantastic to see this happen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to my show tonight, talking about the recapping, the second round, (coughs) excuse me, of CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers. Join me in my next show next week, and we'll try and get our guests on as quickly as possible. It is fantastic to see. Uh, Thank you for listening to me tonight. As always, please enjoy your football. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now. Have a good night, everybody. So long.